0: This is the Relevant Life Church podcast, where we are about connecting with God, relating to people, and reaching our world. Tune in as our church goes through this week's teaching in God's Word. How are we today? Wow. This is, I want you to know this is uh, our two services today are record-breaking numbers since COVID, right? So uh, we're excited about that. And uh, we're, we're, we're moving forward. How many, how many see light at the end of the tunnel? You see the little glimmer of light and then darkness comes and a little glimmer of light. I can tell you, Jesus is our light, so our eyes are on him. So there's always light, right? Amen. Uh, I'm excited to step into this message today, Anchored, this Anchored series. And the title of my message today is, Are You a Weak Link? Anybody want to be a weak link? Anybody confess to go, Oh, I love being a weak link. Well, I have three of you. No, I'm just kidding. No. Uh, No one wants to be the weak link, right? We don't want to be the weak link. As we're talking about this Anchored series, we've been looking at a lot of things and realizing that storms are inevitable. And we all need an anchor for every area of our life. Storms are coming. And your life is going to be rocked. Your ship is going to be tossed. And sometimes you may be thrown against the rocks. And sometimes damage may come to your ships. How many have experienced some damage in your life? as a result of the storms that have come. You can go backwards, you can go forwards. I can tell you storms are inevitable. So we learned about this whole process and the importance to realize that in the middle of a storm, God is always in control. God is always reliable, right? He's always there. He's going to show up. And that you and I, we learned that you and I are prisoners of hope. That we're not prisoners of a circumstance. We're not prisoners of of calamity and danger. But there is a hope. Everyone say there's a hope. Because I want you to not forget the anchor, not just this lovely thing up here, but the anchor Jesus, that's where our hope is. That's who's holding us behind the veil into the heavenlies. And so we, we don't ever want to distort or remove that, but we... Looked in the moments of transition in this message series about being a wise builder and a foolish builder. And the wise builder builds his house upon the rock, and the foolish builder builds his house upon the sand. And as you hear that parable, we hear the story and we see the story that they experienced the same choice. They had the choice to go, where am I going to build? And the question today is really going to be personal: of where are you going to build? Are you going to be the wise builder or the foolish builder? Each of those builders had the exact same storm in their life. The same winds came, the same uh, waters rose, the floods uh, came over their houses, and one lasted and one did not. Can I tell you that that's very true of our lives today? How many have experienced storms in your life? Participate this morning. You experienced storms in your life. How many have been knocked down a couple times in the storms in your life? How many have also stood strong in the storms of your life? Can I tell you, it's as we have re-anchored ourselves into a new foundation and began to stand right, is when that stability comes. We've been looking about this whole process of that storms are inevitable, but our preparation, preparation is, in, is optional. It's optional for you to prepare. It's optional for you to choose to go, well, no, a storm is coming. Maybe you enjoy the tumultuous waves of life. Uh, I can't tell you that I enjoy those tumultuous waves of life. I want to prepare for them as much as possible. I don't want my ship to sink. I don't want my, my life to be a casualty. And today we are coming with a, a topic. We've been looking at uh, the relationships. Last week, Sasser did an amazing message on relationships. We talked about our soul. We talked about anchoring technology, anchoring our finances. Today I'm going to talk about a topic that's very near and dear to my heart. It's anchoring your family. And today I want to make a, a, a statement, a general statement, because I know that people are going to come back and go, I don't have a family, I'm single, I don't, I'm not married, or I have a family and they're gone, or whatever, and, and you're going to go, well, Pastor Kevin, you did all this right, I want to tell you up front and clear, we did a lot of things wrong. We made a lot of mistakes. So as I preach this message today, there is a tendency that could come in where the spirit, where the enemy, our enemy, our, the darkness, Satan would come in and love to bring condemnation upon you to go, you suck. But I want to tell you, the voice of the Spirit comes and says, "You don't suck. You are what I, you you are what I say you are." Can I tell you today that we've got to step into what God calls us to be? And so today as I come with passion, I uh, ask some people to pray over me this morning because I, I feel like I'm going to come with the pressure washer and go <laughs> and peel your skin. Uh, why? Because I have done that to my own life. I don't master this. I don't perfect this. But my prayer today, if you would participate, is before we even step in, whether you are single, whether you are a teenager, whether you are a child, whether you are a grandparent, a great-grandparent, whether you are whatever state you are in, would you be willing to do something across this place and online? Would you lift your hands in a moment of surrender to Jesus? God, today we come not based upon the fact that we are right. We come based upon the fact that you are right. And God, today I thank you. We thank you for your grace and for your mercy. Come on, church. And Satan, we bind you today. We bind the, the, the liar that wants to lie to us, the thief that wants to steal from us. And God, today I pray that you would give us ears to hear what the Spirit of God is saying. God, we bind condemnation and we allow, we invite conviction. Come on, would you say that? I invite conviction. God, we invite conviction into our lives. We ask that the voice of the Holy Spirit would bring clarity and conviction to us today. God, online, in this room, God would transform our hearts and transform our minds. In Jesus' name, amen. That's my little intro, my caveat before I step into this. Uh, hello. We're still having issues, microphone issues. We're going we're gonna to win this, and we continue to pray over that. Today, I, th- are you the weakest link? How many have ever seen the show Weakest Link? Uh, it, it started in 2001, and it just has come back with a whole new onslaught in 2019, 2020. Uh, you are the, or I guess 20, 2020, 2020, and 2021. So just it's just ended its first. Uh, uh, second re, re, uh, what, re-up on the process. I can't even talk today. But as we're thinking about that, I, you know, I'm not a, I, I've watched it a couple times, and I think what well, my favorite part, if you're not understanding the story, understanding what the show is, is basically it's a competition. It's uh, kind of like a, a merge of, of Survivor and, uh, what do they say, Survivor and Who Wants to Be a Millionaire? And you're trying to go, how do, and it's sar- filled with sarcasm. Anybody like sarcasm? And I think the reason I watch it is because I love Jane Lynch and her sarcasm. And, and, and you know, I mean, it's not the sarcasm. Sometimes it's the sarcasm that is my inner voice that sometimes comes out. And um, so th- these are not my words, but can I tell you, these are some of the things, one, some of her one-liners I absolutely adore. Whose smartphone wishes it had a smarter owner? Whose IQ, ca- whose IQ ca- test came back negative? Who needs a designated thinker? Anybody here need a designated thinker? This, this right here is for me. Whose brain is still on hold with tech support? Who needs a recipe to make ice water? Who is six, eights, six eights eggs short of a half dozen? Here in her sarcasm, she's going, you are the weakest link. What's the phrase? Goodbye. You know, so as we come to this place of talking about our lives and talking about an anchor, today I want to transition from being a weak link or from just the anchor to being a link in the chain of, of, of life. God's called us uh, to something greater. This idea of weakest link is the person or point in a process that is most vulnerable. Everybody say vulnerable. Most vulnerable. Laziest, most incompetent, or least dependable. Probably all of us in our lives can assess someone in our lives that has most vulnerable, right? When we think about our family, when we think about our homes, when we think about our jobs, can you think of a weak link in your life? Can you think of a weak link in your own personal life of a temptation that you're weak in those processes? A chain is no stronger than its weakest link. A chain is no stronger than its weakest link. And so today, as we begin to talk about this topic, we know the anchor is Jesus. We know that he is is strong, he is stable, he is unchangeable. He's made out of the best, he will not rust, he will not go away, amen? But there's got to be something that connects us to the anchor, this links of chain that connects us to the anchor, and today I want to talk about those links. The USS Shangri-La, an aircraft carrier, was designed and commissioned in 1944. It served in World War II and served in Vietnam and eventually was decommissioned in 1971. I want you to realize the size of this aircraft carrier. This, the flight deck was four and a half acres in size. That's an equivalent of more than four, four plus uh, football fields. This ship housed 6,000 men. Talk about a floating city, right? Right? A, a, a city on water, uh, it had very two large anchors and with, every, with, with, this very, with very large changes, chains uh, to, that were used to anchor this, the anchor to the aircraft carrier itself. Each chain is longer than four and a half football fields. The chain by itself, each chain by itself weighed over 675,000 pounds. This is not just a mere anchor that someone can hoist out of the water. This takes a a mechanical system to bring this out of the water. At the end of that chain was an anchor, or an anchor on each chain, is an anchor that weighed 60,000 pounds. Each link of that chain weighed 365 pounds. What I want you to grasp is the reality is that that anchor is only as good as its weakest link. That anchor can be strong. That could be anchor. Could be the best in the best and the best. But if there's a weak link in between, that anchor is not going to do its job. When we begin to think about this process of the anchor, and we begin to think about the process of ch- of chain links, when they let go of this anchor to stop themselves from moving they always let out six times more than the depth of the water. The reason is is because they realize that that anchor may not hold, but the links that are laying on the bottom of the ocean are going to hold. It's going to help stop the ship, ship from drifting. I want to, you know, that it, well, why is it that we anchor an aircraft carrier? Because a drifting, a drifting aircraft carrier could cause a lot of damage, Right? Whether that's in port or whether that's out to sea, it could cause a lot of damage. And today we want to talk about this aspect of a crisis that's taking place in America. And you say, which one? Which crisis? And I'm going to say it's a crisis that's been ongoing since the beginning of creation. A crisis in the family. A crisis that uh, is above all. And oftentimes we go, well, if the country would just shift, the family would shift. Can I tell you today that the crisis begins in the family. If the family would shift, the country would shift. So today, as we hear this message, each of us need to say, God, how do I need to shift as a family? There's a cultural attack on our family today. There's this thing called the spiritually drifting family. A drifting family is a family without an anchor. A drifting family is someone that is a family that has no leader. And today, God's Word speaks very, very strongly to men in the home. And I could stand here and I could preach to men today, but what I realize in our culture online and here, that there are a lot of absent fathers in our homes. I had a father, but he was absent from me emotionally. You may have a father, but you may not know him today. So today we don't want to come and preach hardcore on the fact that men have a responsibility and women have a responsibility, although God's Word speaks to that. Amen. I want to speak to the fact that if there is a leader in the home, a God follower in the home, this message is to you. That you are a a, a link in the chain. Please don't be the weakest link. Don't let the chain break. Hold on to the anchor. Drifting families have no leadership. They have no direction. Every family needs a godly leader, a man or a woman. Hopefully, if you're married today and you are a husband and a wife in a home that's godly, you are on the same page, leaning towards the same goal, and that is to raise godly children. That is to raise not just responsible children, not just popular children, not just children that are educated, but godly children. The importance of the chain. Today, when I think of a chain, I think of this word genealogies. I just got done reading through numbers, and I can tell you it's filled with genealogy. Anybody like to read about genealogy? That so-and-so begat so-and-so and and begat so-and-so, and and you're like going, who really cares? It's boring. But can I tell you today, something that should matter to you, maybe not the genealogy of the Bible, but can I tell you that your genealogy chain should matter to you? Where are you in the link of genealogy? Today, there are people in this room that are first-time genealogy, generation Christians today. That they have turned the corner from a past that was horrendous and have stepped in to go, no, as for me and my house, we are going to serve the Lord into a legacy. And we're going to talk about that today. Some of you have been part of the genealogy chain, and maybe you're a fifth generation, but you've let down on the intensity of your passion we're going to talk about that today. I want to ask you, can you remember where you came from? As we look at Scripture, all of us have come from Noah. We see this horrendous thing that took place in Genesis where the earth was destroyed, and it says that Noah built an ark, and he, he took his children on there. So all of us are descendants of Ham, Shem, and Japheth all races came from noah and his three sons all families today on present on this planet we're all related back to three men as i began to think of my genealogy do you know where you came from i'm not just talking about one day mom and dad and i was a baby do you know where you came from do you know your history do you know your genealogy can i tell you it's important that you know your genealogy I'm going to probably mess it up royally today. I've been on the phone several times with my mom going, remind me, mom, help me. But I want to tell you my genealogy, things that I learned, that in the late 1800s, my great-great-grandparents from my mom's side came from Norway. Their names at that time were Harrison. When they stepped, checked into Ellis Island, they changed their name to Breger. And they were a family that loved God. They were passionate about Jesus. From there, my grandma, great-grandma Celia Reed came, and she was a praying woman. She was a devout woman who loved God. From that came my grandmother, Esther, who you have heard testimony after testimony. I have heard her prayers. I still hear her prayers. Can I tell you that the prayers of those that have gone on before us are not wasted? I truly believe that at this very moment, the prayers that were prayed back in the beginning thousands of years ago are still being answered today, and They matter. And then I am the product of my mother and my father. And my father is a first-generation Christian. So today as I stand, my mom was a fourth-generation Christian. My dad was a first-generation Christian. But as I stand, I'm a fifth-generation on one side and a second-generation on the other. And in my family, I'm a first-generation pastor. You know, if I were to step back and look at all this and unpack it, we could go to Rhonda's genealogy and go, how does that impact? And she's a second-generation pastor, and therefore our kids on her side are going to be third-generation pastors. Can I tell you the importance of the link in the chain, the importance of our genealogy? If we're not anchored, we're going to be swept away. If we do not know what we're connected to and how we're connected, can I tell you that the trials of life are going to come? And they're going to attack your home. And today, this is a a clarion call that we can see the crisis across our land, in our home, in our family lives. And we can go into all of the different things in our culture that's impacting our children and impacting their children. And it all originates because the family got off course. The link got disconnected. Genesis chapter 5 through 10, we see the story of Noah and his family. And it actually says in J- chapter 6 that God himself despaired over mankind. Have you ever felt despair? That word despair is regret. God himself, he felt regret over creating mankind. And he says they have become so perverted. They have become so uh, horrible. They don't follow my commands. They've walked so far away. The family unit has walked so far away that I regret doing so. And so what he declares is something that is harsh. He comes and says, I'm going to destroy the world. Noah, you found favor in my eyes. Noah, you hear my voice. Noah, you are leading your family. Noah, you are trying. Noah, you recognize the link of importance of me in your life. You build an ark. You be the carrier on of this link. We see how that all took place. Creation was destroyed. Noah and his family land and rebuild, and from them comes who we are today. And we're back in the same state that we were many, many years ago. Corruption, once again, we've lost focus. How many know that human beings are ADD? We're easily distracted We're going to see that in this passage of Scripture as we get a little further on. Hebrews chapter 11, I love this because it's it's the faith chapter. It's where we go back to our heritage. And this is what is written about Noah. It says, by faith Noah, when he was warned about these things that were not yet seen, in holy fear he built an ark to save his family. Today my call, my challenge is to you. By faith, if you're hearing the warning that's coming out, if you're seeing the warning across this land, it's no longer time to turn a blind eye to it, no longer time to turn a deaf ear to it, but to step in and go, God, I am desperate. I've got to build an ark for the saving of my family. Can I tell you that salvation is not inherited? It doesn't matter where you came from. It doesn't matter what faith your parents might have had. Salvation is not inherited. There comes a point of choosing in your life that you have to say, I will follow God, and I will raise my kids in accordance to. I ask you today, have you built an ark for your family? The ark is a symbolism of safety. The ark is a symbolism of refuge. Today in our culture, and I remember being caught up in the process with this, as we were having children, to go, no, I want my kid to be the best educated. I want my kid to have, have the, all these experiences. I want my kid, blah, blah, blah. But can I tell you that God kept calling us back to, we want our children to love God. We don't care so much. We want them to have all these things. Can I tell you what's happened in America today? Is we've tried so hard to platform our children to, to push our kids forward in success, earthly success, that we have forgotten about their spiritual success. We've walked away from it and said, oh, no, it'll happen. Someday they will choose. They don't have a choice unless you show them the choice. Parents. Scripture is acutely focused on the role of a family unit. All throughout history, we can see that, Adam, that God chose Adam and Eve, and from them came mankind, that God chose Abraham and Sarah, and from them came Isaac. God chose Amram, Amram and Jacobed, Moses' parents. Uh, From that, he chose Joseph and Mary, who is Jesus. And we look at the story of mankind, that God always had a man and a woman in marriage to bring forth his purposes. Not only did God want children to be able to look at their parents' marriages and learn this value system, but God also wanted them to be able to see what it was like, uh, how God created man, God created woman, God created marriage between a man and a woman. God you said, reproduce, re- to create family, to create community, to walk in relation to your Creator, to honor God, to raise generations, to know and to walk in God's ways. Can I tell you, your salvation is not for you today and only for you today. Your salvation as a father, as a mother, as a single parent, as a teenager, is for you and for those around you. God's plan has been skewed, it has been misdirected. We've lost focus, and today is a call of focus. Can I tell you that as I've been preparing this week, there's been a call of focus in my own life where I was on target in some ways, and then I arrived at an empty nest, and I pray for my grandkids, but I forgot the legacy that I must continue to fuel It's not something that is done. Can I tell you that many of us, we step into marriage and we go, no, it's time to procreate so we have children, and then we go, I can't wait until the next stage until they're teenagers, and I can't wait until the next stage until they're gone, and our nest is empty, and oh, I do want grandkids, but they're out of sight, out of mind. Can I tell you that that's not what God called us to? Your life is not about you. It's not about your retirement years to go, oh, I'm done, and it's their problem now. If you want to leave a legacy, you've got to shape your life differently. So how do we anchor our families today? Number one, you have to anchor yourself first. If you want to have an anchored family, you have to be anchored yourself. There's no way to anchor a family. There's no way to take someone where you have not gone yourself. You can stand and you can preach it. You can stand and you can declare God's Word. But if you're not living it and you're not choosing it yourself, it's not going to work. I think of the statement that uh, happens when you, get, as a teenager, get ready to walk out the door and your parents go, make wise choices, right? How many have ever made foolish choices? All of us have probably made foolish choices, right? We've done things that we think is right, that we have been convinced about. In this next graphic here, it says, uh, everything in your life is a reflection of a choice that you have made. If you want a different result, make a different choice. So today, March 7th, 2021, as you begin to look at your life and begin to look at your family, everything that you are in at this very moment is a result of your choices, how you have led. If you don't like the reflection, if you don't like what you see, did you know that you have the power to shift that? So today we don't come going, okay, great, I suck and I'm never going to be able to get anything better. No, today we make a choice. We say, I want to reflect something different. I want to be different. I want my family to be different. I'm going to shift myself today to be different. I think of on airplanes. I haven't been on one for a long time. How many have been on an airplane lately in the middle of COVID? Some of you have, in the middle of COVID, some of you are waving your hand saying, Yeah. I don't want to wear a mask on an airplane in the middle of all that. But, hey, airplanes aren't comfortable to me. But, you know, you get up there and you have flight attendants that get up, and the very first thing they say is, if the cabin loses air pressure, an air mask is going to pop out. And our natural inclination as really responsible people is to go, let me help you. And they say, don't help someone else. Put it on yourself first. Can I tell you today that that's oftentimes what happens? We as parents step in to go, I want my kids to make wise choices, and so I'm going to help them make wise choices. And I know that the wise choice is Jesus, and I know the wise choice is Sunday school, and the wise choice is this. So I'm going to not go to church with them. I'm going to just drive, drop them off at the church, and I'm going to let someone speak into their life, and then I'm going to live like hell the rest of the week in front of them. Today, I want to tell you that if you want to impact your family's life, you have to anchor yourself. You have to anchor yourself. Eleanor Roosevelt says this, I am who I am today because of the choices that I made yesterday. Can I tell you today that I am who I am today because of the choices I made today, made yesterday? Some of our kids are who they are because of the choices that Ron and I chose to make over the 20-some years of having children. Not only are they our choices, but that the choices that have been generation after generation after generation prior to us that have made. Let us in those decisions. Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 19, says this, this I call, this day I call the heavens and the earth as witnesses against you. The God says, I have set before you life and I've set before you death. I've given you a choice, blessing or cursing. So now choose life so that you and your children may live. You know, there's this amazing thing called the power of choice. We love the power of choice. We take advantage of the power choice. We would not want to live in a country that takes away our choice. Can I tell you, as we look at this last year and we see that people have tried to take away our choices of whether we wear a mask or not, there's been an uprising. And oftentimes what happens in our lives is we're going, no one's going to tell me what to do, even God. But God comes in an Old Testament passage of Scripture that is still true and still strong today, and he says, choose life. There is power of life and death before you. What are you choosing? Not only does having this free choice give us authority over our lives, but it also gives us responsibility. You're not a victim of your circumstances. We can come back and we can go, well, no, I didn't have what you had, Pastor Kevin. I didn't get blah, blah, blah. blah." We can either go, I'm a victim of, or I'm going to be a victor over. I'm a different parent today. I'm a different dad today than my dad ever was in my life. I can speak respect over his life. I can tell you what he did right, but he was never a father to me. And I can tell you today that I've stepped in, and I've been a father to my children. I've not done it right all completely, but I've done a lot right. Why? Because I made a choice. While we are free to choose our actions, we're not free to choose our consequences. Sometimes we have to be willing to stand alone if that means doing the right thing alone. Can I tell you that even in marriages today, if you know the right thing, you better be doing the right thing. Even if your spouse does not agree, even if your spouse, if you're not in complete unity with your spouse, your royalty, your, your responsibility is a priest to God prior to anything else. If you're saved, if you know Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior, your responsibility is to God and God alone priority. That as you step in, yes, you need to learn to lead your family, if it's a husband or wife, whichever it is. But your responsibility is a priest to God first and foremost. Joshua chapter 24, he comes with a great statement. Joshua was faithful to God. Joshua was a man that you saw before he was even had had family that he was standing outside the tent of meeting and he was praying and he was encountering God's presence. Joshua was a man after God's heart. It doesn't state that, but you can see over and over and over and over again. At the end of Joshua's life in Joshua chapter 24, he says, "Now fear the Lord and serve him with all faithfulness." he realized that the Israelites had begun to shake in their faithfulness, in their desire to serve God. And he says, serve God with all faithfulness. Throw away the gods uh, your ancestors worshipped, going on and on and on. And he says, and serve the Lord, in verse 15. But if if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, here he goes, it's your choice. If it's undesirable, if you don't want to follow his commands, you don't want to have the blessings, then make your choice. Choose this over here, but you're going to suffer the consequences of your choice. whether the gods your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. Real quickly, what we can see in Joshua's statement today is number one, it's a public statement. In Joshua chapter 24, verse 1, he says he gathered together all of the tribes, and he's making a declaration. He's realizing that there are people in this group that do not recognize God the way he recognizes God. And he's coming and says, but as for me, just so, you, just so you're aware, my decisions are going to be made this way, this public announcement. He was willing to part uh, relationship with people over the fundamental issues. He was not going to walk in agreement. He was not going to surrender and submit. Can I tell you today that we as family members, as parents of our homes, need to step and go, I am a priest before I'm a friend. I'm a priest before I'm a parent. I'm a f- priest before I'm a, a spouse. And God, I'm going to honor you. That does not mean dictatorial. That does not mean out of lack of relationship. But I guarantee you this. Hear me, people, today. If you will seek God first, he will honor and he will bless you. What oftentimes happens is we try to get in and walk the fence. We want to make our our wife happy. We want to make our kids happy. We want them to be our friends. And God says, I've called you to be the priest of your home. Not only was it a public statement, it was a personal decision. He says, but as for me, this is not going to happen by accident. It's going to be intentional and purposeful. Also, it was a persuasive declaration. He goes, as for me and my house, God's appointed me authority over my home, and therefore my home is going to be a, a, a place where they serve God. It was also a prophetic statement. He says, we will serve, serve the Lord. Joshua is walking into a land, into a country where many of the tribe had began to walk away from God and began to take up gods of other nations. And Joshua is making a landmark to go, in my choice, this is prophetic, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. We're going to follow his commands. You're going to find us in church on Sunday. If not in church, we're going to be online. If not online, we're going to make sure that we're connecting somehow. We're going to be leading our home to follow Christ. We're going to serve him. We're going to give to him. It's going to be evident in our home who he is. How do we anchor, our, anchor our, our families? Number two, you anchor your home. As we ended there, Joshua says, as for me and my house, today I want to call you to get on the same page. I recognize in our culture today, I recognize in this building today that there are single parents and you're going, I'm doing this alone. Can I tell you, I commit to you, you're not doing it alone. We're committed to walk alongside you. We're here to walk alongside you. But if you're married in your home and you're both believers, can I tell you, you better get on the same page. Because if you haven't had kids yet and you get kids, they're going to try to divide you. And they may not be at that age at this point, but they will try to divide you. How many parents can say, yeah, your, your kids try to divide you? Well, I'm going to go to mom because mom's going to be sympathetic. No, I'm going to go to dad because dad's going to be sympathetic. How many did it? How many still do it? Get on the same page. I want to tell you this. Division causes confusion. Hear it today. Division causes confusion. Division causes confusion. Division in your marriage, division how you parent, division how you lead causes confusion. One's going to look at one and one's going to look at another. And then you come back and go, why? Why are my kids not? Anchor your home. Follow Christ today. Don't say someday. Can I tell you today, prepare now. You may not even be married. Prepare now. You may just got married. You don't have kids. Prepare now. Don't wait until the moment. Prepare now. Begin to prepare today. Going, no, I'm going to prepare my, aim. I'm preparing my ark. Because it's not something that you can just put on when it's time. You can't live like the world and then all of a sudden shift, shift the key. You've got to be able to be into the process. Chuck Swindoll says this. Whatever else may be said about the home, it is the bottom line of life, the anvil upon which attitudes and convictions are hammered out. Can I tell you today that when we step back and we watch our children, Ron and I can go back and we can look and go, where did that attitude come from? And then we have to look in the mirror and go, oh, that attitude came from us. You and I like to blame the world, do we not? It's the TV that they're watching. It's the phone that they have. It's the friends that they have. Can I tell you as a parent as a priest of your home, you're responsible for that. You're called to filter those things. The home is the single most influential force in our earthly existence in the home. We, have in a, we live in a world that downplays the value of the home, that downplays the importance of the home. Dr. James Dobson says this, we must make the salvation of our children our number one priority. Nothing else is as important. Church, hear me today. Hear me today. I know it's so easy to get caught up in our culture, to platform our kids, to be friends with our kids. We want our kids to like us. We don't want to have the battle, so let's buy them them their smartphone. Let's, Let's not govern their smartphone so that they can get in all loads of crap of pornography. What we don't know doesn't hurt us. Parents today, please hear me. This is in no way, shape, or form against you. It's what we've preached to ourselves. We have got to be the priests of our home. You are the filter for your house. Your choices, how you stand, be the one that stands for the salvation of your children. Deuteronomy chapter 6 says this, "Hear O Israel, the Lord our God, the, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind and your strength." Let it I give you today be let it be on your hearts. He's saying you as a parent, it has to be in you first and then he says this. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home, when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your house and on your gates. Can I tell you that it's not a Sunday conversation? It's not just a bedtime conversation. It's not just a breakfast conversation. It's not just on the way to school conversation. It's not just on the way home conversation. It's all the time that you discuss and talk about spiritual concepts. It's bringing hope into their life. It's speaking, impressing them upon your children, these relational and spiritual conversations. Can I tell you, those were oftentimes happening as you're driving home from school, on the way to school. And I'm like, oh, dear God, give me wisdom. They're happening at bedtime as you're laying there reading a, bio, a story to your child. Can I tell you, parents, be intentional Life is so busy today. Can I tell you, I had to turn off the TV and go, no, it's bedtime, and I'm going to go lay down with my kids because I want to pray over my kids. I remember even years in high school when things were stirring in their, home, in their lives, and I would open their door to make sure that everything was all right and they were asleep and the lights out, and I'd go in and I'd lay my hands on their head and I'd pray over them. Can I tell you today, it's got to be something that you Deliberately intentionally do that. Go, this is life or death. That my impact on, their, on them is a could either be a strong link or a broken link. Joseph Minnick says, This the most powerful force of your family is a gospel centered home. Do not be ignorant, you cannot put it onto the culture and onto the school system and onto the TV. You must lead your home, you must anchor your home in the truth of scripture. I'm not saying that you beat them, you browbeat them. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about live it and teach it and train it, impart it to them, impress it upon them. Why do we make the decisions that we make? Can I tell you, you should be the ones that are guiding this this biblical worldview. It's you, not the church. Lastly, anchor your legacy. This is the one that if I could crawl under the chair and preach it, I would. This word legacy is something just transmitted, that's passed on, that's handed down or received from an ancestor or a predecessor, uh, predecessor from the past. Another word is heritage. I look back at the genealogy of Kevin. I don't know anything before 1870 ish. But on my mom's side, I have a long line. Of believing Christians, that the links are there, the genealogy is there. You say, well, Pastor Kevin, was there any weak links? I'm sure that there have been. Sometimes I've been the weak link. But I can go back and I can go, no, I'm anchored to this, I'm connected to the anchor Jesus because of what's been passed on from generation. You say, Pastor Kevin, I'm single, I don't have kids, I don't ever plan on having kids. Can I tell you today? That you can still be a link in someone's life. When my parents weren't a link, it was my Sunday school that was a Sunday school teacher that was a link. Can I tell you today, in my kids' life, Patty Mitchell sits right over here. And she was a link in my kids' life. Salvation taught them for years. Impacted their life. Can I tell you today, you may not be the parent of someone, but you have a link responsibility in their lives. You are connecting them to the fabric of Jesus, this anchor that will not move. If you're investing in children today, thank you, because you're not just impacting your children and this generation, you're impacting the generations to come. This legacy that I'm part of my grandmother, Esther, who prayed, and I believe her prayers are still happening. Her and my grandpa, my grandpa was a first-generation believer, but from them came five daughters. From them came 21 grandchildren, 58 great-grandchildren, and currently around 50 great-great-grandchildren. That's my life. That's my life on one side. Can I tell you the legacy that I'm connected to is a dynamic legacy. The the legacy that I cannot be the weak link in is this dynamic legacy. I cannot allow my faith to be compromised. Today, if you are the first generation Christian, you know what it's like to grow up in a home without God. You know what it's like to be bombarded by drugs and alcohol and gangs. You know what it's like to have fighting continually. You know what it's like to be removed from that situation. And you are here as a first-generation believer. Today, will you determine that you are going to leave a legacy, not just for your kids, but for your kids' kids? And your kids' 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 kids? Judges 2, what's alarming to us is this. After Joshua has declared his faith and his commitment, Joshua Judges chapter 2 verse 10 it says after that whole generation had also been gathered to their father another generation rose up who did not know the Lord or the works that he had done Today it alarms me That's why I'm passionate I love my kids I love my grandkids But can I tell you I love your kids and I love you I love your grandkids I look across this room and I see people that I married that did not have kids and now have kids that are grown up and ready to be married themselves. I've married some of the kids of those people that I've married. Can I tell you today, it's a legacy that you have to care about, I care about. Deuteronomy chapter 2, 6, Deuteronomy, excuse me, chapter 6, verse 2, it says, So that you and your son and your grandson might fear the Lord. Your life is more than just procreating. Your life is more than just getting done with the responsibility and having an empty nest to go enjoy retirement and travel the world. Your life, the purpose you created is to be a link in the chain and to pray over the next generation and to pass on those truths. How do I lead a family for over 100 years? I look at my family heritage that I can look at and it's over 100, 130 plus years. How do How, how do you plant that. It had to take intentionality of each generation, of each link in the system to go, I am not going to walk apart from this. I'm not going to be guilty of, of Judges chapter 2 where they, this one generation served God and the next generation did not. Steve Farrar says this, every family chain in order to survive and raise godly children must somewhere have a man or a woman who has a godly vision. Everybody say godly vision who has a godly vision not only for his own children, but for the children of the generations to follow. The fact of the matter is this, that one man, one woman with a vision who is anchored in Christ Jesus can influence his family and his generations to come for hundreds of years. Does that like give you goosebumps? Do you realize that we're not just living 2021? As you live today and walk in faithfulness today in 2021, you're impacting 2100, 2150, the generations that will follow as long as Christ Jesus tarries, your link in the chain is making an impact. Deuteronomy 7, verse 9. Know therefore that the Lord your God is God. He is a faithful God. He's keeping his covenant of love to a thousand generations. I look at my family right now and I go, that's like five generations. A thousand generations. I got 995 generations yet to go that God's commitment, if we will walk in faithfulness to Him. We need to get a godly vision for a godly legacy. You got to pray for the generations. Can I tell you, as I've been studying this week, I've prayed for my grandkids, but I'm already preparing, I'm already beginning to pray for my, my grandkids' kids. My granddaughter's three years old, and it's a long ways away before she has a child, but I'm already beginning to go, God, I'm praying for the legacy to be passed. Anybody have a vision for the future? Anybody stepping into it? Can I tell you, I remember laying hands on Rhonda's stomach as our kids were there, not knowing whether it was a boy or a girl, and we began to pray at that very moment. God, we ask for the right mate for them. God, we believe that you can bring the right person. God, whether that person's born yet or not, you're creating in them the right mate. And today we have amazing, uh, another daughter and another son that were created for our children. Pray for the generations. You need to live your life in light of the next generation. Don't live your life in light of your generation and just you today. Don't just go, I've survived, I'm done. No, go, I'm stepping in. I'm, I'm going for the long haul. We need to raise and challenge our children to pass on this reality of Christ. Don't just tell them. Don't just instruct them. Challenge them to be part of the link. Challenge them to love God and to serve God and to bring the reality of Christ. This idea of compound interest, if you've heard Dave Ramsey. He gives this illustration. He says, at the age of 21, if you will invest $2,100 every year for nine years and stop investing. So at at the age of 30, if you will stop investing uh, at the age of 67 with compound interest, you'll have $2,550. How many say at the age of 67, you want to have $2,550? Can I tell you, it's the choices that you make the day-in and day-out choices. You say, well, Pastor Kevin, what does that have to apply to my life? Because today I believe this. Just like there's a compound interest in our finances, there's a spiritual compound interest. That as you pray, you may not see. As right now you may be praying. May, right now there may be this alarm in your spirit that you're going, Pastor Kevin, I failed. I didn't raise my kids to know Jesus. Pastor Kevin, I came to God at a late age. Pastor Kevin, I prayed over them, but I didn't do it right. Can I tell you, that's all of us. Today, we're not standing here because you did right. I'm not preaching because Kevin is right. I'm preaching because God's word is true. And God's principles are real. So it's not perfection. It's obedience. So today, you're saying, Pastor Kevin, is it hopeless? No, it's not hopeless. Because our anchor is Jesus. It's hope that's anchored to Jesus. That as for me and my house, you can continue to declare, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Your responsibility has not stopped. Maybe you step back and go, oh, well, they're gone. There's no hope. No, you need to get on your knees. There's nothing greater and more powerful than a mom or a dad or a grandparent that's calling out Scripture and life over their kids. Choose ye this day who you will serve. You have the power of life and death. Choose life. As I close, I've gone a little long, but you don't have to forgive me. Just listen. Psalm 78, as I close, it says, My people hear my teaching. Listen to my words. I will open my mouth with a parable. I will utter hidden things from of old, things that we've heard and that we've known from our, that our ancestors have told us. Can I tell you, each of us probably could come to the table with stories that our ancestors have shared. Each of us can can remember certain things that they've shared and they can tell about a story of when they bought a house or what happened. And the most important stories that we should be sharing are the stories of God. The faithfulness of God. That the God that you serve is a God that did this back in so-and-so, that gives hope to the generation today, that, that God can still do that. Verse 4 says, we will not hide them from their descendants. We will tell the next generation the praiseworthy deeds of the Lord, his power and the wonders that he has done. He decreed statues for Jacob and declared uh, uh, and established the law in Israel which he commanded our ancestors to teach their children so that the next generation would know them. Everybody say the next generation. Your responsibility is the next generation. Your responsibility is not the latest game that they can play on PlayStation. It's not the greatest cartoon that they can watch on TV. It's not just to pass the time. It's to communicate to them the truth of God's Word. But the next generation would know them, even the children yet to be born. And they in turn would tell their children. Then they would, be, then they would put their trust in God and would not forget His deeds but would keep His commands. Today, I'm challenged to leave a legacy. You may be in a different season in your life. Today, you may be just going, I need to anchor myself. Pastor Kevin, right now, all I can do is think about anchoring myself. Can I tell you, anchor yourself. Get into Jesus. Maybe you've anchored yourself and your family is swaying in the drifting of our culture. Maybe you've allowed things, you've enabled things, and you need to step back and go, no, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. We're going to follow his commands. We're going to walk in his ways, and we're going to have fun doing it. Can I tell you, it's not a legislation. It's going to, if they see you doing it, it's you partnering with them. I hope today, though, that everyone would be motivated by leaving a legacy. You're part of a legacy. Whether you're first generation, you're starting something. Whether you're the 10th generation into it, you're continuing something. Please, please, don't take it for granted. Don't hold it lightly. What's been given to you is powerful. What's been given to you is important. What's given to you is life-changing. Today, March 7th, 2021, today is the day of choosing. Do you hear me, church? Parents, teenagers, today is the day of choosing. Make it your declaration. As for me and my house. As I question today, would you just pause with your eyes closed? Would you just think about these questions that I asked this morning? How and where are you anchored? How and where are you anchored? How are you leading and living to lead your family? How are you leading and living to anchor your family? Today, how can you be more vision-filled to impact the next generation? Right now, maybe the only thing in sight is you're getting ready to get married and you're going, "We we gotta anchor our home so that when we have kids, Maybe you have kids at home and you're going, we've got to anchor this home for our children. I've got to have a vision, not just for now, but I've got to have a vision for the next 18 years while they're in my home. And That vision's not going to end. That vision's going to go on. Most important question, most important question is, what are you going to do today to change your life? What are you going to do today to change your life? Because the choices you make today are going to be the impact of tomorrow. God, today I thank you for the truth of your word. God, I thank you for the weightiness of your word. And God, today, today was a heavy message. It's a message that's filled with truth, filled with honesty, but God has communicated with great amounts of love. God, today I pray that by the power of your spirit, God, that you would impart life to every person, every hearer today. God, I come against, once again, the voice of condemnation. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Would you say that phrase with me today? There is now therefore, therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. One more time. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Make that declaration. I am in Christ Jesus. Come on. I am in Christ Jesus, and I will not walk in condemnation. Come on, I will not walk in condemnation. God, today we ask for your mercy and your grace to cover every blemish. And God, we thank you that you are faithful to do so. God, where there has been a weak link, would you bring strength? God, where there has been uh, double-mindedness, God, would you bring single-mindedness? Where there has been one parent, God, would you bring a unification of both parents? God, if there's just one parent, God, one, one can still be victorious. And God, we thank you for that today. God, bless these families. God, bless these families. God, we call to the next generations. God, we pray over the mates. We pray over their lives. We pray over their commitment. God, we recognize the importance of legacy and the importance of home. God, today we we banish weak links, God, out of our lives. God, we pray that you bring strength into those. God, where there's brokenness, God, we bring that to you and ask for your grace to cover it. God, would you redeem those broken areas? God, we bind uh, the curse of sin that is carried on from one generation to the next generation. God, would you bring redemption and wholeness in the name of Jesus. And God, we thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. Can you say amen today? God bless you. Say, Pastor Kevin, I love you. Thanks for the strong word. That got a little bit less. You still love me, but you're not thankful for the strong word. Seriously, I do. I love you. I preach this message out of passion because I love you. And I love your children. And I love your grandchildren. And I love the legacy that you have and the power that you have. I want you to know I pray over you. I prayed over you this week. Every voice, every person to hear this word, whether online or in this room, you were prayed for. And you are prayed for. Amen. Thanks for joining us today. We'll see you next week. Make sure you get on and sign up and have an amazing day. Invest your life in someone bigger than you, amen? God bless. Here at Relevant Life Church, it's our mission to see people connect with God, relate to one another, and reach our world. This single statement drives everything we do as a church. Our hope is that today you were encouraged in this. Thank you for joining us and have a blessed day.